Welcome to this edition of the Raz Report. We are lucky to have Rocket Mortgage's CMO, Casey Herbis. This guy has been around the block. He knows what he's doing. Super Bowl commercials, hundreds of millions of dollars spent. We are going to learn a lot in this half an hour of the Raz Report. I'm very excited to welcome Casey Herbis. Hey, Jason. Man, thanks so much for having me here. We're in your awesome office right in downtown Detroit, watching people uh, skate uh, behind us here in Cadmus Martius. But yep. it's awesome to see you, and thanks for having me. Yep. You know, I've been looking forward to uh, doing this for a while because I have like 600 questions for, for you. I've narrowed it down to like 60. All right. But, I mean, people turn on a TV and you see Rocket Mortgage. People, you see it in many different places, online. Um, you came, we're going to get to the Rocket Mortgage advertising segment. I'm going to take it back to where you came from. So, Casey Herbis, where did you grow up? Yeah, so, uh, Jason, I was born and raised in the Metro Detroit area um, and then was fortunate enough to go to Michigan State University and was an advertising major and graduated from Michigan State and started working at Chrysler's agency right out of school. Uh, and I was stayed with the agency for 17 years. I worked on a tier two dealer business, uh, supporting Chrysler and the Chrysler dealers. And then I moved over to Chrysler in 2011. Wait, wait, wait. you say tier two Chrysler dealer business. You're helping Chrysler market to the dealers or help the dealers market to customers? Yeah, and so in a lot of, in a lot of um, franchisee and manufacturer, or if you will, like parent company models in automotive, quick serve restaurants, you see it sometimes on telecom, where you have a corporate and a franchisee model, there are funds that are raised to advertise in a local marketplace, call it tier two. Um, so tier one in automotive is like Jeep, tier two is like Jeep at your local Jeep dealer, tier three is Jeep for 199 at Rasnick Motors. And uh, so a lot of, uh, most automotive companies have tier two uh, auto groups, and that's what I, the business that I worked on and ultimately led uh, regional business for a number of years on the agency. When you were like 16 years old, did you know you want to go into marketing? You know what? I, uh, you know, as we were looking, as I was growing up, and, you know, thankfully, you know, my parents really fostered an environment where they encouraged uh, education and making opportunities available. When I went to Michigan State, I wasn't quite sure. And like anything else, and sometimes in life, you run across, you run across people that you don't know, but they're influencing you in different ways. And I had a neighbor friend that uh, was a family friend that was in advertising. I thought it was pretty cool. He always had tickets to stuff, <laughs> like tickets to stuff. And I would do errands and little, you know, things for him. And he would offer me tickets, and I was like, man, that's pretty sweet. He's in advertising. Went to Michigan State, and uh, you know, I, I started taking a couple of advertising classes and really enjoyed it. Did you do any internships when you were at Michigan State? You know, Jason, you and I, uh, well, you're, you're, you're younger than me, but uh, you know, back in those days, you didn't really do a lot of internships. It wasn't very common. Most yeah. often it was like teachers, engineers, yeah, yeah. packaging majors. You know, It was uh, a, a typical, like, took classes when it was involved in some clubs and then just hustled during the summer to make money. But you got exposed to it through a neighbor and then you took some marketing classes. I mean, that's, I mean, that's how it happens. Um, and so you said you were at you know, Chrysler's agency and yeah. that for 17 years? 17 years. And then what happens next? Yeah, and so you know, going back to the uh, annals of time, 2010, you know, Chrysler and GM went into bankruptcy, came out of bankruptcy. And unfortunately, at that time, we, we, the agency, we lost the business. Uh, we were the agency of record for 65 years. GM's agency had been with them for 95 years. And uh, they had to make decisions, and the, the decision was made as the lights were being turned back on to uh, sever those agency relationships. So um, I stayed on with the holding company for a year. We were uh, we ended up standing up additional Tier 2 business. But along the way, an old client of mine, uh, I'm a firm believer that you never burn a bridge because you never know when you have to uh, cross it once again. Uh, an old client of mine called at Chrysler and asked me if I'd be interested in coming over to the corporate side, and I joined Chrysler in 2011. So an old client, like someone at Chrysler, called and said, you want to come to the corporate, we have a role. Yeah. And what, and so, was, and what was the role you yeah, went into? So I, you know, I literally was going from one side of the desk to the other, if you will, from agency to client side. Uh, I joined Chrysler. It was now then called FCA, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. Uh, with Mr. Marchioni and the Italians uh, taking ownership. And uh, I was asked uh, as I joined the company to help launch the Fiat brand back in the U.S. You know, Fiat had been in the U.S. from 1909 to 1984, had left the country in the mid-'80s. And when Mr. Marchioni and, had taken over control of Chrysler, you know, he quickly announced that, hey, we're going to bring alternative technology, fuel-efficient vehicles to the U.S., and Fiat was the brand 
that was going to uh, immediately be launched back in the U.S. So what year was that, like approximately? approximately. 2011. 2011 was okay. uh, when Fiat was launching back in the U.S. after being out of the market and, for 27 years. And you were going to leave that thing? Yeah, the marketing and advertising so for you, North America. Yeah. Weren't you pretty young at that time? Uh, I mean, I was... Jeez, Jason, now you're... Well, I guess what I'm... What, what I'm 37, 38. Okay, because I was thinking, well, still young. So were, were you leading people that were older than you and stuff? Yeah, you, so I... From a leadership standpoint, Jason, I was really fortunate. Um, I became a leader at the agency at the age of 27. Um, I was named vice president of the agency, and I quickly, when I was named vice president, I started overseeing nine offices, uh, nine regional, sorry, local offices uh, that worked with the dealers. And so, like overnight, as I became a leader, it was interesting in that I started leading people that had been in the business. Quite frankly, some of them were long in business longer than I had been alive. So um, it was truly a baptism by fire experience leading uh, at a how, young age. So, so a couple of questions. How do you, any advice for people that, you know, sometimes when you're leading people that are older than you, it can be a little uncomfortable. Um, I, I read something about how you all, well, you can answer, like how you, how you handled that leading people that were, you know, older than you. Yeah, I mean, very early on, I wish I would. T I wish I had like you know, there was a textbook, or there certainly wasn't any uh, YouTube videos to watch at that time. Uh, a lot of it for me was just being trying to be myself to the best of my ability. And for me, I I I, I think I'm a, a, a subservient uh, leader in which I I take the philosophy that I work for my team, and I believe as a leader, you always have to be the one that uh, is offering support, not rock, be a good, great listener knock down roadblocks in order to help him or her uh, achieve their goals and give feedback along the way. Uh, and my, my feeling is when you lead people, if you're doing the right thing, you're giving them, you're giving them the opportunity to grow, you give them feedback, you offer them uh, coaching opportunities, and you also help them achieve their goals. That's only gonna help you along the way. And a lot of my leadership style, quite frankly, was you know, shaped from, um, from leader, from team members, if you will, that work for me, like giving me feedback or maybe looking at other leaders and how they led and, you know, learning some good lessons and also learning some lessons that I know certainly I didn't want to uh, bring into my No, forte. And that's what I read about you. You, when you were, you said, how, how can I help make their lives better? How can I? And that's, and that was a good way because sometimes it's uncomfortable to leave people older than you. The next question is, um, how did you end up, how did you end up at 27, leading all these offices, like what? What do you think you had that made you get promoted so quickly versus others? You know, looking, and I know you know, it's hard to talk about yourself yeah, in that, but yeah, I'm just, I don't. You know, I don't know. I think it's, you know, I'm I'm someone that you know, growing up was uh, my my parents and my parents and my environment really fostered hard working, hard work ethic, uh, develop trust based relationships early on. I think that's something I I really value. Uh, you and I know each other outside of work, and you know you, you, you've seen like I really, truly value developing good interpersonal trust-based relationships, and that carried over into my business life. I mean, I still the the guys or folks that I run with are the ones I've known since elementary, middle, or high school, or college roommates. Um, you know, they've been lifelong friends, and um, that's just again so that's it's, what it's who value. you are. It's how you were raised. That's what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. It's how you because that's just who you are. Like you said, so. Um, so you're at Chrysler, you're leading the Fiat uh, return here. How, yeah. did, how did that go? That was, uh, at the time, Jason, it was absolutely nutty. Uh, 2011 and 12, we were looking to launch the Fiat brand. Um, so at the time, we literally didn't have any vehicles. They were they were still in Italy. Homologation was taking place. We were trying to build a what dealer taking, what, Homologation, so getting the vehicles, you know, like you can't just take a European vehicle, throw it on a ship and bring it here, you had to make sure it's passing, right. you know, passing regulations, put a, put emissions. Put a dictionary.com definition Go on the screen of that word. Yeah, that Homologation. Word. Yeah, that, I use that word a lot often. I don't know I don't, I'll have to, go, I'll have to look it up on dictionary. Makes me sound smart. Yeah, so. Um, and at the time it was crazy where we were trying to launch the brand, build a dealer network, and uh, the, the Fiat brand literally had brand awareness that was below the chart. And so we knew we had to do some things. Uh, we were never gonna have the budgets of some other larger automakers, you know, GM, Toyota, Hyundai, whatever it might be. We knew we had to do things different. And we developed some really interesting, uh, you know, campaigns, partnerships that, you know, I think what we like to, very proud of, I think we shook up the American landscape with some uh, out of the box creative, uh, creative approaches with launching the Fiat brand. 
Got it. And then did you stay on the head of the Fiat brand or did you move to something else at Chrysler? Yeah, so I was on the Fiat brand for almost seven years. And along the way, um, I was early on the stages of Alfa Romeo as Alfa Romeo was being launched in the U.S. Uh, I was on the early stages of developing, you know, d- developing the creative strategy and br- helping bring that brand uh, to life here in the U.S. And for the last year, I actually also overled our tier two business, but on the client side, uh, that's a huge, a huge piece of business uh, supporting 2,000 plus dealers in the U.S. And so I added that to my uh, repertoire as well for the last year and change that I was at FCA. And so then, so you're there seven years? Seven years, yeah. So then what led you to Quicken Loans, Rocket Mortgage? Yeah, so, um, you know, Jason, I started, you know, this is now, we're in 2016, and I started to ask, I had been in the automotive business now for 23, 24 years, and I started to wonder, is like, is there, is there other, other things out there, if you will? Um, and so I started to, quite frankly, like, listen to uh, different companies and opportunities and just to, you know, if you will, test the waters. And to to leave automo- automotive marketing, particularly in Detroit, is not easy. Um, generally, people are in automotive marketing; they stay in automotive marketing. Obviously, here in Detroit. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a huge hire, and like that. That's right. That's a that's good advice. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. If you don't ask, you don't get. Yep. Um, and so you you had a big budget at Fiat, but then you come here and you're managing a huge marketing budget and you're doing all types of marketing. It's probably different than automotive marketing, right? You're, I mean, is, is it a lot different than automotive marketing or is it very similar? I don't, yeah, I don't you know. know. Great question, Jason. Excellent. I will tell you, a lot of people ask me that question, like how was it transitioning from 20 plus years in automotive marketing to mortgage? Totally different industries, right? But think about the similarities of, you know, as a shopper, buying a car and buying a mortgage or getting a home, you know, getting a mortgage for your home outside of a crazy lease market or an insane refi marketplace, buying a car, buying a home. Think about it, you only do it once every what? Three, five, seven, 10 years. Yep. The world changes every three, five, seven, 10 years. It can be intimidating, it can be scary. My, you have life changes along the way. I mean, think about how much your life has changed from first time home buyer to married with children to you know, uh, you know, uh, preparing for next stages in life. So there's a lot of similarities from a marketing standpoint, from a consumer mindset of, you know, I'm only doing this once every three, five, seven years. I'm not sure how to go about it. I'm not sure how to go about it. Where do I start? Is there somebody that can help me answer my questions? And can I trust the company? Can I trust Can I trust my dealer, car dealer? Can I trust the company that is going to help me achieve you know, the home of my dreams? So in that standpoint, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, from a media standpoint, as you mentioned, uh, from an automotive standpoint, you know, I was very, very fortunate with the budgets we had, uh, but they pale in comparison to, you know, what we spend here. I mean, we spend a lot of money, um, and we're a 24/7, 365 advertiser. I quite honestly can't think of any platform uh, that we're not at least testing. If we're not in, if we're not in uh, at high levels, we're either utilizing it as a secondary or tertiary medium or channel, and then if not, maybe we're testing it. I mean, TikTok's a great example. Uh, you and I were just talking about TikTok off camera. I mean, you think about the use of TikTok. Like, does it make sense for a mortgage company right now to be using TikTok? I don't know. But I would rather know now and start testing things now. So as that platform continues to grow and things are more measurable, then three or five years as younger people that are using TikTok or maybe go into college, coming out of college, we can start to develop a relationship with them. I mean, that's a, a really exciting thing uh, that we have here is we obviously utilize tried and true media platforms to uh, to give our get our message out there. But then we test a lot and like what you know in the world that we all live in, right? And you know, you certainly know with Benzinga, how do we utilize uh, and look at new medias and look at and try to be an alpha or a beta tester of new medias, uh, new platforms. Well, that's the one thing I was so in terms of testing, I, I would assume that agencies and not agencies, media companies, TV networks, small ones are calling you guys all the time to advertise. We get a lot of phone calls. So you get a lot of phone calls, and do you just funnel them back to the agency? Is that how it works? Um, Good question. So we're primarily an in-house agency, Jason. So we've got over 300 team members. We do everything from Super Bowl down to T-shirts and everything in between. We do have a media planning and buying agency. So we'll call it upper funnel media. So your linear, your linear broadcast, you know, connected TV, uh, audio, uh, digital and social, more upper upper awareness 
uh, consideration media. Uh, we have an agency relationship with Universal McCann, which is part of IPG, one of the country's largest holding companies. Um, they, they work with us side by side on the planning and buying, all of our performance marketing, so SEO, SEM, third party, you know, pay per click, third party lead by acquisition, retargeting, so on and so forth. Um, that is, we manage all that internally. So, um, back to your question, yeah, we get a lot of phone calls. Um, we work with a lot of people, but we get a lot of phone calls. To me, um, you know, it doesn't cost me anything to listen. Like, you never know. You never know if there's. You know, is there a better mousetrap or is there a, you know, we get a lot of tech companies call as well, right? How to target, how to target better, how to reframe, uh, you know, and try and capture uh, leads or whatever it might be. And we'll, we'll listen to most of them and understand, hey, is there an opportunity there to take advantage of it? So there's nothing tricky people have to do to get a hold of you guys. Like they, like, you don't have to stand outside all day waiting to get a, you know, because you guys, you guys wield a huge budget. I mean, I think it's somewhat public. I hear. I mean, I see in the papers. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. It's yeah. it's a nine-digit budget, and and so you're getting all those calls, but somehow you have people listen to it and you weed out and you test these different platforms. How do you know? So, say some new platform comes out, and they're like, "Okay, test with us." How do you know if it does well? Like, I, like, like. I mean, I guess in clicking you could tell, but is there other ways you guys look at? Yeah, things sure. Too? It all it all depends. Great question. It all depends on the media platform or pro, you know partner that you're looking at. I think it's real important is. Uh, if we agree to go, you know, start with a test because it's a new partner. All right, let's establish the KPIs or goals up front, and you know whether it all depends. If it's a if it's a company, maybe it's impression based, impression based, or we want to see dwell time. If it's a piece of content or shareability, whatever it might be. Certainly, from a performance standpoint, we're looking for conversion, right? We're looking for good quality leads that can convert and we can move down the funnel. Um, so a lot of it is just you know being open and honest. Uh, we're a very transparent company. Uh, in which you know, and I don't, I don't believe at keeping partners at arm's length. I'm, I believe in bringing partners close to you, because um, that's how you can both win together. And so, it really, it's just establishing those goals up front, and then working towards them. And if it works, great. We look to maybe continue to invest. If it doesn't, then you ask yourself the question: Why didn't it work? And do you go back at it again, or you wait a while? to see if something could be optimized down the road. So that's so the, the next question is like, you guys advertise, I mean, college, NFL, but in, the, yeah. in college, you had the mascots. That was a huge campaign you had. Yeah. Um, are you still doing the mascots? Yeah, so we do we do a lot of partnerships in college football and basketball is a great example of them. We have a partnership with 21 schools uh, and with, through Learfield IMG. And I'm a big believer, Jason, when from a creative standpoint is and a lot, some brands, a lot of brands do this. Too. I think Geico does a nice job of it, uh, State Farm, and I think Rocket Mortgage is right there as well, in which I really believe in doing contextually relevant work to the media channel. So um, if we're doing, if we're buying a lot of like HTTV, DIY type of programming, why wouldn't our commercials and message be geared towards that audience? Same thing with college football and basketball. Um, yep, we've used mascots. Uh, you know, that's you know the investment we make with these schools. Um, we have the opportunity to use their IP rights, uh, intellectual property rights, and generally that is the most valuable asset of a school is its marks or its mascots. Yep. And uh, there, there's always a lot of fun. We just actually wrapped up. Uh, we just wrapped a new college mascot uh, commercial uh, in, with for college basketball a couple weeks ago, uh, which will start airing here. Um, Hell, within the next few weeks, and a uh, ton of fun, and we so, get a lot of great feedback. So, like, uh, and I'll see you guys like sponsor ESPN, like the show, and all yeah. that stuff. It, and this is something I'm just curious about. So, are you? There might be three commercials during a, a show. Like, people know your name, but is it more like you need to see it this many times before someone calls? Like, like people know your name. Yeah, there's uh, yeah. So, um, from that standpoint, in the we'll call it the traditional media channel space. I mean, what we're what we're looking at investing in those areas is to build awareness, aided or unaided uh, awareness, also positive consideration and positive opinion. So, you know, do they know us? Do they know us? Do they like us? And do they think they might want to work with us? I mean, those are, that's brand health, and we work with Kantar, Miller, Brown, KMB on the back end of answering those questions. But that's where we use our traditional media channels is like, all right, Let's present, show the brand, showcase the brand, and help try and address what a consumer may be thinking about or concerned about uh, when it comes to getting getting a home loan, a home mortgage, and hopefully they see that uh, you know we're a brand that listens and will take care. And you know we've got a lot of proof points behind us uh, that do it, but that's where you see it. And you know the old magic, the old magic number is like sixty reach, three plus 
uh, three plus frequency where you start to remember, uh, we, we exceed that. You exceed it. Yeah, we exceed and, it. And so, like, when you come up with the mascots one, is that, like, just, like, someone comes up with the idea and you're like, okay, let's try it? Because it's just so, rant, you know, I mean, yeah. all this stuff. So, okay. we, you know, from a creative standpoint, uh, we've got over 100 team members here within the uh, Quicken Loans Rocket Mortgage marketing team and very talented. Uh, and so, I work with our business leaders uh, on the brand to develop a brief. We brief, the, uh, we brief the creative team. And generally, when you see a commercial on television, uh, College Mascots is a great example, it probably started with 50, 60 ideas. You know, call them whiteboard ideas, simple one-pagers, mood boards. And then along the way, you start to whittle it down to come to that final, you know, like, that's it. Let's go shoot it because we're going to put tens of millions of dollars behind this commercial. I want to make sure that we've done the due diligence on the right brief, the right creative, and, you know, ideating and working, shaping the creative to where it's the right fit contextually with the media, but most importantly for the brand and getting a message to our audience. So that, I mean, that's a, you know, three, four month process from briefing to concepts to let's get the right idea to go flip on the lights, shoot it and get it on air. Well, what's crazy to me is now it's changing so much. Like you guys, you guys were advertising on TV, you're doing internet too, but you know, like I, I was on this thing called Clubhouse last night and I was there for an hour and it was just people, you know, talking about crypto, I think it was. And it was, um, or this guy, Mr. Beast, talking YouTube stuff. And all these guys who are now have huge followings, those guys would probably be marketers for you. I mean, those, like you have to, so you have to like pay attention to these, these, I don't know what you call them, thought, not thought leaders, but uh, influencers. influencers. Yeah. So do you pay attention to those guys too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we have uh, influencer relationships. We're going through that right now with the Super Bowl squares. I mean, with the Rock and Murray Super Bowl squares, got a large television, you know, uh, TV campaign. I saw Barry Sanders audio. in that. Barry, Barry does our digital and social for it. And then we'll utilize and look at influencers to help extend and amplify that message. So athletes, um, we are also... Uh, we have our national Hispanic Spanish speaking campaign. We use uh, Hispanic uh, talent uh, and athletes to help us get that. And then, you know, now we're our foray into TikTok. We're working with some influencers now in TikTok uh, to, you know, take that message to that audience. So, you know, influencers influencers continue to be part of our strategy uh, when we're again looking to extend and amplify. Um, some of our like core pillar programs. So like when you want to advertise an ESPN, it's easy to, for you to find how to do that. But when you want to find influencer, is is there like a marketplace or is it like your agency? Yeah, there's, find yeah, there's it? A, well, there's a variety of places. I mean, obviously you can work with uh, you can work with representation companies uh, that will help you source it, uh, vet it through. Uh, one of our one of our agent social agencies through Universal McCann Reprise, uh, they help us with that. And okay. sometimes too, it's relationships. It's getting to know, you know, getting to know either agents or companies or, you know, along the way. And, you know, over time we deal with, we work with a lot of celebrities and athletes and you get to know, um, you know, you, you get to know some representation and they can sometimes bring you ideas of like, hey, have you thought about working with so-and-so? And um, sometimes like, you know, it, it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but, you know, we're also looking at tests. That's why I'm excited about rolling out this TikTok now is I don't know. I don't know what I don't know, but I might as well, we might as well invest and learn. Yeah. You don't know until you try. Right, and I have a lot of TikTok friends, celebrities, I don't know how, but I somehow do. That's right. Now, now the Super Bowl squares yeah. is like amazing. Like it allows so many people to participate that never could before. We did it, I remember last year. First year well, was last year. Yeah, so first year, so how was it the first year? Uh, it was awesome, and a little backstory on how that came to life. Um, we we are a brand. Rocket Mortgage is a brand that has done what we call first, best, and only events. Uh, s- several years ago, we were the first brand to put a basketball game on an aircraft carrier with a carrier classic. Uh, a number of years ago, Jay was the CMO. When Jay was a CMO, the billion dollar bracket, right, with Warren Buffett, had never been done before. Uh, never had had we had a golf tournament here in Detroit with the Rocket Mortgage Classic. But we started thinking about. How can we go big during, a, obviously during the Super Bowl and during the NFL when viewership continues to rise and people that maybe aren't NFL fans are interested, and I don't know about you, but everyone plays squares, right? From right. kids, yep. from, from eight-year-olds to 80-year-olds, uh, you know, you do squares with your family and friends. And we liked, we really liked the idea of squares, but we weren't sure if we were confident enough to do it on our own. And uh, we literally flew in the NFL um, in mid-November last year, right over here at the uh, at the Chrysler Building downstairs at the Pop House Vault, <laughs> we we pitched the NFL 
the idea. This wasn't the NFL came to us and said, hey, we need a sponsor. We said, we want to do Super Bowl squares. This is how it's going to work. It's not going to be every quarter, every half, end of the game, every score. And they, I immediately, I remember watching the, the guy from the NFL media sit up because in his mind, he's like, oh my gosh, this could be really awesome because it keeps engagement through the whole game. God forbid there's a, a blowout. And the NFL told us in the room, this was in uh, fall of 19, a year ago, certainly two years ago and last year, we would have said, no, thank you. We would have walked out of the room. But the world's becoming a lot, obviously a lot more open-minded. And we, we see now with you know uh, online betting and these brands that are now very much commonplace in the market. We're about to, you know, right? Online betting is about to go live here in, uh, in Michigan and Detroit. Yep. And uh, the NFL said, we can do this. And we're like, oh my gosh. And so in five weeks, we went from meeting and, and over the course of five weeks of uh, developing the partner, developing the partnership, papering it, shooting the commercial and getting on air. And last year it was uh, a huge success. And you guys just like figured out how, how to like build the technology for it or you got a partner for it and like one person on your team like would find a developer or whoever yeah. it was and you guys just built it. Someone came, did someone come with the, up with the idea on your team? Or yeah, like- so, someone, on, someone on my marketing team, uh, they, they were the one, it had been an idea that we had discussed in got the it. past, but it was like, how do you do it? It was so big, how do you do it? Yeah, you're right. And so over the course of a couple of years, we kind of asked ourselves, how would you do it? And one of the, you know, one of the secret sauces that we have here uh, at the rocket companies is like the ism of like we'll figure it out, and I've never been anywhere before where, you know, it's my old life. I would sit, you know, to bring an idea like that to life would take a year of boardrooms and procurement and legal and people saying no every step of the way. Yep. Here it's like, you know, we like to throw the plane up in the sky and figure it out. And if the if the plane comes comes back down, all right, what did we learn and let's get it back up. And so, uh, you know, the idea was just worked on, and when the NFL said, let's go. We're like, oh boy, here we go. And thank God we had thousands of technologists here. And you can imagine technology folks love working on anything Super Bowl related. Yep. So they jumped on. We brought a partner on that yep. could help us from a back end standpoint. Yep. Yep. And um, we learned a lot this first year. The first year, we blew away our expectations, far exceeded registrations and um, you know uh, what, what those main KPIs that we were interested in uh, achieving. And then we're already off to a fast start here with the Rocket Mortgage. So, Super you're, Bowl you're, so you're doing this squares uh, now. Where can people sign yeah, up for it? Very easy. So anyone 18 and up can go to Rocket Mortgage Squares. Uh, Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl Squares.com. Super easy. I did uh, I did our our team member version today, but super easy. So you go to Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl Squares.com. Uh, you sign up, you pick your box, and uh, you can share it with friends. You can Do you, can you win anything good? Jason. Yes. I'm gonna tell you how, how this is how good it is. Every score, so field goals, touchdowns, extra points, yep. safeties. Um, every time that happens, 50 a winner in that box would win $50,000, so I'll give you an example. So our Lions are in the Super Bowl, right? Lions are playing the Chiefs, and Matt Prater kicks a field goal, so it's three nothing. So you go to three nothing in the box, and anyone that you know, anyone that signed up to that box, there's a group of names, we would pull a name, and Jason Rasnick was in the three and O box, we pulled Jason's name, he wins $50,000. A field of the extra points, so think about that. Last year there were 15 scoring, uh, scoring plays in the last year's Super Bowl. And uh, we also give away half a million dollars at halftime at the end of the game. So we gave away almost $2 million last year in the Rocket Mortgage Super you're Bowl. Sending, you're sending like checks out? What's that? You're yeah, like, saying- like literally, this is how fun it is, Jason. Um, we, in, I don't know if you've joined us in the past, but we set up a war room. We're also in yeah. the game last year with our Jason Momoa commercial. If you were to come to our war room, war room it is a whole wall of television. So we've got game feed, Twitter yep. feed. We've got social listening. Um, obviously, focusing on the game, what's happening, but for the squares, literally, a score happens, we go to the back room, a name gets pulled, we make sure that Jason Rasnick is, says who Jason Rasnick is, and we're literally calling Jason within 10 minutes of that score to tell Jason that he won $50,000 or half a million dollars. And, That's crazy. and then we announce it. We use Barry to announce the winners almost real time because... You guys, you guys should do it. This year, you should do it by video. Like, let them know you did it. Like, let them know. There's some like, privacy. Yeah, we, we, there's a lot of opportunities in the world. We Like, there's some privacy. 
uh, privacy challenges Well, I'm there. happy for you to call me and say, I right. 50, or video $50,000, right. and I'll let my privacy be revealed, okay? <laughs> All right, and, but, um, so, no, so that, that leads me into the craziness, the Super Bowl commercials. Yeah. You've been doing these for a few years or more, I, I, I don't know, how the heck do you do these things? Like, how, like they're so, you know, all, every commercial is bigger than the next, and it's so hard. And you, Jason Momoa, and you put a whole campaign to it last year. And I think you did one the year before, too. Uh, was, um, oh, I can't remember. Oh, I know. Michael I know. I, I'm like, yeah, I remember. Keegan, and then yeah. There was, yeah, you guys, so you guys do the, your, your old hats at Super Bowl commercials. Is it stressful? Is it easy? Like, just give us the, uh, the, the Casey Herbis two minute download on Super Bowl commercials. Yeah, it's, uh, I've been fortunate enough to be part of six Super Bowl campaigns. Um, they're generally seven months to a year in the making. Uh, and I can tell you it's easily the most stressful time you might have uh, as a marketer. So, you know, from a gump standpoint, we start we start back in June or July. From a what standpoint? Gump. Gump it down, make it simple. Dictionary.com. Dictionary.com. I'm assuming, yeah. That's a Mr. Gilbert, Dan, Dan Gilbert special right there. What, the gump stand? Gump it, gump it down. So that makes it easy, make it, okay. Make it easy. Okay. Keep it simple. You hear that, Rohan? <laughs> Come on, gump it down, man. <laughs> um, so we start We start uh, back in June or July. We brief agencies. We go outside uh, 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 creative shops, and we'll see upwards of 150 to 200 ideas. Wow. And much like the college mascots commercials, same thing. But well, you're not so paying these people. They're just giving you ideas. We and- get ideas. We get ideas, and uh, you know, agencies want to have their yeah. would love to have a commercial on their portfolio on their website, right? Yeah, I would, helps with new. I'll business. start an agency just to get a commercial. It's not easy, but um, so we'll start with looking at 150, 200 ideas, and eventually mm. we land on the one. And you know, generally they're going to have celebrities, they're going to have talent, they're going to have music, and then the real hard work starts. Like, you know, we obviously want to know if the celebrity is interested in the idea uh, prior to selling it in. Um, generally, a lot of A-list celebrities have opportunities all over the place. So you're actually jockeying against uh, jockeying against other brands. Last year, Jason Momoa, um, this was his first Super Bowl ad, but he had looked at dozens of ideas. Oh, really? And other brands were courting him. And he said, when he saw our idea, he's like, I love it. I want to be part of it. And so you know, sometimes the celebrity has to pick you at the same time. It can't be like, hey, Jason, what are you doing next week? Let's go shoot a Super Bowl yeah. ad. So the hard work of you know selling the idea, then you've got to you know align with the align with the the talent, the right director, go shoot it, and now the world we live in obviously of second, third, fourth screens, it's not just run the sixty and go, it's all the other digital social PR components, you know the lifeline, you know the extended lifelines of that campaign, and um, you know and when that commercial runs, quite honestly, it's the most painful sixty seconds as a marketer because you're all the work that goes into it, and then it's it comes to this right it's you know was it good was it bad it's very subjective right you may love it you may love it or you might not like it and i, I tried to do everything i can to convince you it's a great ad and you're like bro it's not it's not there for me yep i always just wonder why the super Bowl commercials you just make just put a white screen and like just put your name on it for 60 sec or 30 seconds and with music yeah and but, i think the reason you don't do that is because you'll piss off people watching it yeah i mean the, the super bowl what i my philosophy is the super bowl one is you know obviously it's a showcase for advertisers and there's not many times where you can put your brand in front of 110 130 million people and i really believe that consumers want to be entertained even even with what's going on in the world um yep. you know trials and tribulations and challenges that maybe you know that we face you know, the Super Bowl is an opportunity for people to gather uh, safely with friends and family and be entertained and enjoy the game. And so um, we're, we're fortunate that the Super Bowl spots that uh, I was part of at Fiat and certainly here are, are spots that like high level entertainment, great celebrities and have been well uh, well liked. Now, do you prefer to do it during a certain quarter or if you don't want to say and give away your playbook, that's fine too? Yeah, there's one, uh... so there's there's a couple schools of thought, Jason. A lot of, um, some have, you know, for years and years, advertisers would never release their commercial. And then you saw about 10, 15 years ago, a couple people did. And then, you know, five years ago, everyone was releasing because it was all about chasing, like, YouTube views, And my, I thought. Um, I have always been of the philosophy that you don't, you don't show your hand. You can tease it, but you don't show your hand, and you just let that moment soak in. Um, and that's that's been a practice that's worked pretty well for us. And, you know, we did it last year where we teased the fact that Jason Momoa was going to be uh, working with Rocket Mortgage, but we gave nothing away, and I think we, you know uh, we were very very happy. When with did the it? Results. When did it appear? Uh, last year, 
our spot, if I remember correctly, was uh, end of the first quarter. And my, it- my preference is to be in the first half of the game, uh, just because that's, you know, like I think about my, my bride and kids. They watch one football game a year, and that's the Super Bowl. And it's it's all I can do to get them to watch the Super Bowl. And then once the halftime act is done, yep. generally they're checking out, right? They're moving yep. on, getting ready for bed. Um, so my preference, personal preference, is to be in the first half of the game because I think that's where you've got um, my personal belief. I mean, there's scientific data that will tell you, you may be contradicted, but that people's attention are more geared, you know, more, uh, they're more leaning in towards the first half of the game. And like an, another method, you know, you're talking about the teasing it out on YouTube or what have you. Yeah. We had a, um, I forget the company name, they got, they were supposed to advertise and then their commercial got denied. And we wrote an article on it and it went viral, it had like 4 million views on our yep. thing. So the, I don't know if people really do it, but companies could like fake a commercial yeah. and then get denied and that, that's their thing. Remember, remember the first GoDaddy ads where yeah. it was like too hot for the oh, Super yeah. Bowl and those are you know, you sometimes, I, when I, when you read those articles, or you you hear about these brands that um, the the NFL or the networks didn't pass. I have to be honest with you. Like for me, if we're going to go invest that kind of money in production in media, I am going to have the network and the NFL on on board with me. So, got it. As we go through the creative process, I review it with the NFL. I review it with the network because the last thing I can afford is you're not afraid it'll get out or something. No. Okay. No. No. So we're, yeah, so we're, um, but that's important because if you're going to invest that kind of money, the last thing you can afford is that it, it can't be aired. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I sometimes wonder if brands are, it's a great, you know, it's a great stunt, if you will. So you guys do the, you do all those plans for Super Bowl commercial, and then it, you, you, you get the, the script and all the stuff, but then it comes to filming. So yeah. did you, I think you were on set for Jason Momoa uh, mm-hmm. thing, and is that a one-day filming, multiple-day filming? How does it work? It all depends. Um, I've been part of uh, Beckett Fiat, we shot a commercial, it was actually number three in USA Today Adam it was called Blue Pill. And uh, we were in Tuscany for two and a half weeks shooting. Wow, okay. For a 160 second spot. Wow. Think about that. That's crazy. Shooting for two weeks. Why, uh, you just keep saying retake, retake, retake? Well, retake, different scenes, different locations. Uh, it was a very complicated, logistically, uh, a, a logistic okay. shoot. Um, two years ago, or three years ago, with our Keegan uh, translator campaign, I think we shot for five days. Um, but I'm also I'm also of belief that when you're in the Super Bowl, some marketers and advertisers are I call them one and dones. They maybe don't have enough media, you know, enough media budget to run yep. the rest of the year. So all of their it used to be the old master lock. If you remember the old master lock spots where you know it would always be a, a, a master lock and there'd be a, a bullet goes through it. Yep. That was the one ad they ran a year. Oh really? There's another. There's a couple other brands I where do. literally their entire annual budget wow. is right there and then they're done for the year. Because well, they're like four million dollar commercials. Now, um, it's more. it's uh, for a sixty second spot. It's well over four million dollars. It's more than for, we I'm spent. sorry for a thirty for a thirty second spot. It's well over four million dollars. I remember there a were sixty, uh, you know, eight and a half, <sighs> nine million plus I, the YouTube plus the digital plus. Wait, 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 all the wait, wait hold on. What do you mean plus the YouTube? Well, you want to obviously make sure that you got you have additional extensions. Yeah, but why um, would that? But that would, YouTube, you don't pay YouTube. I don't think they unless they does YouTube take Super Bowl commercials on there. That'd be um, cool. You, well, YouTube so like TrueView, oh. uh, so pre roll pre roll before content. Got it, got it, yep. got it. So you get in there. Okay, got it, got it. And so you get because yeah, you want to. Oh yeah, because you want your commercial to be in other yeah. ways exposed. You don't just do the commercial. You put it in other things. Jason, like that's what's so cool, Jason but, Moa. Like, yeah, you but guys, the old master lock, the old master lock was one and done, right? They, yeah. they all just boom, and then the marketers were done for the year, and that's they get amazing. ready for the next Super. Ball, we're on air the next day, right? And we're on air the next month and the next six months. So with, with the theme of the commercial, with the, with the theme of the commercial. So got it. You know, I'm of I'm of belief that when you do the Super Bowl campaign, what else, as you build as you build the idea, how can you make sure it's campaignable and not one and done? That's so Momoa, how can that run for three or four months? The Keegan Translator campaign ran for almost a year. We shot so much content in those five days uh, in New York that we were able to run that, variations of it, and different work for almost, uh, actually, well over a year. Well, I remember Jason Momoa, like, I had some friends that, like, their moms loved Jason Momoa, and she was, they were so mad how you made him look and all this, and yeah. it was going on for months, and it was just funny. Don't worry, it, he's jacked. He's, he, he did not get skinny. All right, <laughs> he's jacked. So then, so wait, I, there's what, maybe just think of something, which Jason, oh yeah, so when you're on set, this is what I want to ask. Yeah. Are you sitting there like a director? Like, I don't like how we're doing this, we should do it this way. Or are you just sitting there and letting the other people do their things? Um, 
Good question. I mean, there's a lot of, if you're doing everything right, the, the actual shoot, I'd knock on wood, should be one of the, the, the easiest things uh, to take place during a Super Bowl shoot. That, that meaning you're, you're, locked, you're locked and you're in agreement with the director, with the agency, the talent on how things should Do develop. you hire the director? Is that like a hard yeah, thing we'll, to do? Yeah, we'll work, you know, we'll identify production companies and directors. We okay. think that can bring that idea to life. Okay. Some directors are very good at comedy, storytelling, whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, on set, on set for me, I mean, I'm I'm sitting right there off off camera, uh, watching, making sure that we're getting everything everything that we want need to shoot get you know is done. You know, sometimes on set you hear different things, different words. You ask for different takes or lines to be said. Um, yeah, a lot of this okay. is you know it's, it's it's working with the agency and the production company and director to make sure that you know that hefty investment on set is you're getting you're getting shot when you need shot. You know, I'm I've got one of my infamous sayings is. You know, you can't edit what you don't shoot. <laughs> kind of like got you it. don't get what you don't ask for. So nothing is worse is when you come back and you're editing and you're like, hey, what if? You're like, we didn't shoot it. And then see, so you can't edit it. No, that's great. So you're, that's why you keep shooting the stuff. And so one of the, th um, so Super Bowl, and, the, and, and the, do you have anything you want to reveal about this year's Super Bowl commercial? Are you guys doing one? We're busy. Yeah. Okay. So one thing I want to—you guys do a lot of sports marketing. Yeah. Why did you get? Why did you guys think it was so important to bring the Quicken Loans? It was a Quicken Loans National from Washington D.C. Yep. to hear the Rock and March to Detroit. So why did you think it was so important to bring a golf tournament to Detroit? And then how does golf or sports, or you know, bigger part of the strategy? Yeah. I mean, sports is a, a large part of our marketing strategy. We probably we probably spend uh, upwards of 30, 40 percent of our marketing budget, uh, media budgets, and you know, sponsorship budgets. Note to myself, note to myself yeah, to start to a self. sport. Uh, <laughs> and so one is you're, you're, when you work with a sport, obviously you're working with a, either a team, a league, or whatever it might be, that their core values and their audiences align to who you are. And then what's awesome is you're working with it, you're working with another, another, if you will, brand, you know, and borrowing equity from each other to bring something to life. So, um, golf, golf for us has been a uh, an investment for geez, seven or eight years. We had the tournament in D.C. and we had we had expressed interest to bring a golf tournament here to Detroit. Um, that that was a vision of Dan Gilberts and Jay Farners for years and years. Um, and unfortunately, during 2010, 11, and 12, uh, during the uh, recession, the automotive meltdowns, all the investment in golf in Detroit went away. Um, and so golf had not been in Detroit or in the Metro Detroit area for years. So we had conversations with the PGA Tour and we asked them how to come to, how could yeah, they we used build to have a bridge? A, they used to have a Buick Open in Grand Blanc. Buick Open in Grand Blanc. The seniors used to play here. Obviously we've had majors uh, yeah. here over the years as well. Yep. And uh, we asked the PGA Tour, how could we get to Detroit? How, where, where is that bridge? They presented us a bridge. And, and then we um, we had to go find the right golf course. And you know the Detroit Golf Club, which is, uh, beautiful Donald Ross course uh, built in 1899, uh, right in the heart of the city. Here um, was the the venue that we wanted to go to, and so we started working and fashioning, you know, bringing that vision and dream of Dan and Jay's to life, in which golf, you know, Michigan is still number three of the most golf courses per capita in the country. That's incredible. And still, and um, and so golf has been very very prevalent in this community for you know. Decades and decades, um, but the PGA Tour had never been in the city of Detroit before, and so here we are. Uh, we're in our beautiful, our beautiful office here in downtown Detroit, eighteen thousand team members, and here we are. Is that we were able to bring uh, the Rocket Mortgage Classic, our PGA Tour event, to the city of Detroit, and I will tell you, Jason, you were out there with us. Um, you were out there with us our, our inaugural year. It was simply like it was awe inspiring because I can't tell you. And I walked the course with Jay one day. Um, during the Pro-Am day. And the, the amount of people that walked up to Jay and I, uh, some people we knew and some people we didn't, and they simply just said, thank you. Yep. Thank you. And it's really, you know, think about the, the, the trials and tribulations that, you know, we've endured here in the city and, you know, the, re the continued renaissance and the rebuilding of the city, which looks so awesome. And here we are, there's another big stake in the ground of which we've got a PGA Tour event in the city that helps raise money as well for uh, for our charities and well, community. And I know Dan Gilbert will, will, is like coined to think of more than a for-profit company yep. or do well by doing good. And if you think about it, that tournament being here create so many memories for kids. I mean, I, I like for, not kids, for families. I, I was there. Yep. I remember my son was there and we still talk about it to this day because 
how is my son gonna go to a golf tournament? Like, we're not, I'm not gonna go fly to Pittsburgh to go to a golf tournament. And so he went there and all he's like, wants to go back. And so it's not, you're doing this golf tournament, yeah, sponsorship and all that stuff, and you're bringing it to Detroit and that's all, and then you get to show it off for a national TV audience. But the people that live here have to appreciate that thing. And hopefully, you know, we get over this Corona stuff because get it back to normal. Cause that tournament, I mean, the brand, this, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. Like there was unbelievable experience, you know? And, and, and it, it creates a few things, Jason. One is from, uh, from an employment standpoint, um, to bring a golf tournament to life takes a lot of, it takes a lot of people. Um, 50% of our vendors and, uh, were Michigan based 25% were diverse, uh, were minority owned companies. And think about small businesses in the city able to, you know, bring their products and, you know, services, yep. Uh, to a tournament, but yeah. for us too, it's yeah. Of course, we want to sh- give a shine a great spotlight on our brand, shine a great spotlight on our city. But the ability for us through the Rocket Mortgage Classic, uh, we announced this past year our uh, our our charitable yep. and community effort of changing the course. Um, you're you're aware of this. I mean, thirty yep. percent of Metro Detroit uh, or Detroit residents do not have access to the internet, and we have a five year goal of bringing internet to every resident of the city of Detroit. And uh, so we announced that with the Rocket Mortgage Classic, with Connect 313 and change, uh, changing the course of our, of our, our desire to bridge that digital divide. And the platform is there. I mean, we raised, we raised well over $2 million this year for that uh, initiative. And the planning is well underway for the 21 uh, tournament uh, at the end of June, beginning of July. So that could be where you could allow fans, you just don't know yet. Yeah, everything, I mean, like anything else, we're all, okay. you know, we're all knock on wood and hoping. Yep. Um, you're starting to see... Um, the PJ Tour and the Waste Management Open in February was going to have some fans. You're starting to see some NBA arenas. Yep. Cleveland is now doing 2,000 fans. Okay. Uh, While we don't have fans yet here in Detroit, you know, knock on wood, we're hoping we're hoping that you know come this summer uh, that we'll have the ability to you know have fans at the Rock and Bridge Classic. And like two more questions. So, how is marketing? Been during Corona, like there's not all the sport. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a bunch of questions like. You didn't have all these games, but you signed contracts. So what yeah. happens for that? Yeah, so that was uh, very, very interesting. I mean, if you think about what started on March 11th, literally overnight, right? Conference basketball tournaments stopped. Remember, they pulled the players off the floor. Yes, yes. You know, and so we had new creative ready to go for the NCAA tournament, which was starting next week. NBA stopped. NHL stopped. Major League Baseball stopped. You know, spring training. And what did I tell you earlier, you know, 30, 40% of our our marketing is in sports. So sports wasn't being played, yeah. but Americans are still consuming media. So we literally overnight shifted a lot of our media to news all of a sudden started taking off. A lot of right. a connected TV, your Roku's, your Roku's and Fire's, and um, where people were consuming media in different forms and fashion. Uh, we immediately were pivoting a lot of our media there. But as important as that, Jason, was our messaging. Um, you can imagine, I remember sitting at home, this was March 11th, we went home. March 16th, America really started going home uh, on that Monday. And I remember that week watching a, an, an auto ad, tier two auto ad, and it was like screaming and yelling, they all gotta go, fire sale. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, wow, that is so, the world, I mean, think about how we all felt that first, that yeah, week yeah. of March 16th. and. You know, all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, brands are going to be very toned up very quick. Yeah. Thankfully, we had already thought about it. That week, we we literally right down the street from here, we um, we had Jay Farner go on go on camera and tell America, like, we're here for you, yep. um, and we're here for you, whether you're a client or not. Call us 24 seven, and we we knew we had to get that message out there. And so, literally, that first week, we we're on air with a new brand message. You had a commercial with like different people's faces on it, right? Um, we we Jay we did a we did a uh, campaign with okay. Jay. We called it "We're Here for You." Okay. And then then we started to look at you know um, very quickly as we started seeing and hearing all of these stories of our frontline you know essential workers and yep. frontline heroes. Yes, the people in the medical field, but also people that were serving food or yep. janitor, you know, janitorial services. And so we developed a UGC, um, user-generated content, yep. uh, where we had team members just submit their thank you videos. And it's a, everybody knows a hero uh, cool. campaign. That's, and that's that was cool. up, that was up uh, in June. That must've been a huge, got a huge response to that, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah it, was I saw- very, it was very, it was, um, you know, from a production standpoint, it was, uh, it was somewhat of an easy lift because it was content that came to us, but just the sense of pride that I saw from our team members 
and my team that put that commercial together, like how good it felt to just naturally hear everybody say no, thank I, you. I think that no, I think that was awesome. Yeah. So for a final couple questions, unless there's something that you want to say that I'm missing, we like to ask during the Raz report. Yep. Uh, Casey, what was your worst or first job or both? Yeah, I've had a you know like I've been fortunate, Jason. I've not had horrible horrible jobs. Uh, I had the best first job ever, and that was like lifeguarding. Really? Yeah. Well, actually, I mowed lawn. Do, do you have any photos for, for no, B roll? Yeah, I was in much better shape. We can B roll for Rohan. So I, uh, for lifeguard no. photos. So okay. I will tell you, my first real job is um, I started like I was the neighborhood lawn boy, lawn mowing guy. Oh, you were. So I had my own little lawn mowing service at twelve. Started. There at 12 was no years chair. Old. There was no seat. You had to no. Push I push. It. it was a push mower. It was not power. It was a push mower. And uh, so I had that, I had that was like, you know, I was the neighborhood lawn cutting guy, 12 you? years old, 12. Oh, okay. Started then. But my first real job where I earned a paycheck, I was a lifeguard. That's not bad. No, that's... That's a pretty good gig. Life, that's li- good. I, I highly, highly uh, encourage young people. That's a good gig as a fifth, 14, I'm sorry, 15, when I was 15. So you could sit I lifeguard all the, way through, all the way through college. You get to see, did you swim too? Like were you a swimmer in school? I, was, I swam and played water polo. Oh, you I did? in high school and I played oh, water we polo got, um, uh, at Ms. Michigan State. Mrs. Herbis, whoever, sent us those videos I of I met swimming. my wife lifeguarding. It was kind of a- uh, Wait, Was she a lifeguard? She or was she, a lifeguard too. It was, a summer, it was a summer Baywatch summer. romance that- uh, has blossomed to 21 years and going. Wow, all right. Now yeah. you met her lifeguarding. Okay, yeah. so. so I, I highly encourage uh, lifeguarding for, for that's a it's pretty dang good if job. I knew you were lifeguard, I'd have hired you for a couple birthdays there to be a lifeguard. So, so um, anything we missed uh, you'd want to say um, to add into the RAS report. I mean, you 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 guys did an incredible job with your marketing, um, and you send these messages. And I guess last one, what, does anything keep you up at night? Uh, what keeps me up at night? One is, um, you know, I, I I believe the the most important the most important job I have is the chief marketing officer of our brands is to grow and protect the brand. Yep. Um, grow meaning there's you know driving lead driving leads driving performance uh, and help in helping you know helping our bankers um, you know help our give our bankers great leads so they're able to help Americans realize their dream. Uh, but also from but protect the brand. Um, we're very very fortunate for all you know all the things we talked about earlier, where you know we're, we're fortunate to have a great brand with a healthy budget, um, but that can turn that can turn quickly. Uh, where you know there's a great Warren Buffett quote, right? It takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. If you think about it, you might do some things different as a brand, and we've all seen this over the time. You're always, you know, you're, that, that five minutes can be a very, very costly, yep. uh, very, very costly thing for a brand. So what keeps me out at night is that, is grow, what can I, what can I, what can our team do to continuously grow and protect our brand, um, you know, for Rocket Mortgage and the other fintech brands that we serve? Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Casey Herbis, CMO of Rocket Companies.